this is a special time for us uh, to be able to uh, hear from David and Annalise Wilson. Uh, uh, we're so thankful uh, for their faithful ministry. Uh, they've endured ministry on the other side of the world during a pandemic as well. And it's been wonderful to see how God has sustained them and to hear reports of that uh, through their, their reports that they give to the assembly here. Uh, we are the sending church for David and Annalisa. And so because of that, we uh, share a very important responsibility to care from them and to, to hear from them about how things are going. And so uh, what we're gonna be doing today is similar perhaps to what uh, some of the first missionaries and the first missionaries journeys did in the book of Acts when they went back to the church at Antioch and gave a report about how things uh, were going. And so David is gonna come and give us a brief report and then he's gonna preach for us. So David, good to have you here. Whole family, uh, good to have you guys with us today uh, for this service. Thank you very much. It's good to, it's good be, good to be here. Um, I don't have an eloquent letter like the Apostle Paul wrote back to his, you know, so you just have to put up with my uh, rumbling words here. But I do want to say thank you for letting us um, to be here today. It is a, uh, a joy to be here. This trip has been kind of a, a unique one for us, um, kind of a last minute thing, but it seemed to work out well with how things were going where we lived and how things were here. So we, uh, we are very thankful to be able to be with you this morning and those who are online. I think, are you doing it live stream as well? Okay, so whoever's being recorded, it's good to have you there as well. But I would like to say thank you for your continued prayers for us, your support for us. And we are very thankful, as I mentioned, for how the doors have opened for us to be here this summer. If you're, if you're very much aware of the last 18 months, they have been a challenge, to say the least, in various ways. Um, so in March 2020, as a church in England, we felt like we were really in a good place regarding our children's ministries, regarding our attendance, regarding the growth of the church. We felt it was doing really well. So after the restrictions began to be relaxed this past month, we weren't really sure how things were going to be. But thankfully, when uh, an Easter time is when we started to be able to realize how the church was going to be, uh, we were, it, we're still, I think, in a decent place. It's now, as I say that not without its challenges, but we're really thankful that the church is still in somewhat of a decent place. Uh, but we look forward, really, to September. Now, August, any time where we live, uh, we call it, you know, well, at least I call it the Great Exodus. So everyone leaves for summer, summer breaks. They go on holiday. They go on vacation. They, they just leave. And so in a, in a non-pandemic time, the summers are very, very difficult. So we felt it would be a bit of a stretch to try to kickstart things in the middle of August when everyone, after 18 months, haven't, hasn't been able to go anywhere to say, hey, let's all come back to church now and let's start everything full-fledged. But we are going to start things starting in September with all of, our, all of our activities. And when we get back, we want to our children's ministry, which was meant to be for younger ones, are now more focused on young teenagers because after 18 months you go from being in 
you know, elementary school to now they're in middle school and some are up in high school. So we are going to be focusing on young people's ministry. And so we've also had a couple new people start coming to the church since the pandemic opened up. People have lots of questions, questioning the Christian faith. And so we do have plans to start our youth group. We have plans on running some courses, like a finance course. It's called Christians Against Poverty. And so we're going to be starting that. We also have a Christianity Explored course, which goes through the Gospel of Mark for our new people who have been coming. And so the attendance is starting uh, back. We'll, we'll have our, some of our normal things. And so we didn't lose too many people. Um, thankfully, everyone who doesn't, hasn't been able to come back, I know exactly where they are for the different reasons. And so we're very thankful for how the Lord has sustained our church, sustained our people. Um, we really miss... The, uh, the, the hanging out together. So, uh, the, I mean, when, when you live in an area where it can be quite lonely, uh, whether you're a single professional or you're, you're an older individual who doesn't have family living around, or if you um, have uh, come in from a different country, you don't have your, your, your normal um, securities. When those are all taken away, uh, even in a normal circumstances, it's difficult, but uh, we are really looking forward to be back. So our summer, we're focusing on, at least the people back home or back in, uh, in England are, are focusing on teas and coffees and fellowship and enjoying each other's company uh, today. Actually, I think as we speak now because we have our afternoon service. But, but please pray for us as we get going again. We're thankful for how we've been able to identify a few people who might be potential deacons uh, and a potential elder. And so please pray as we get those things going for unity in the church for our new leadership and how to train and what it means to be that. Um, so, but if you'd like a more fuller presentation, uh, we'll be, I think, in this building in Tom's class. I don't know exactly. Then it was called Crossroads? Crossway. Crossway, is that what it's called? We'll be in here, so I'll be here for the, the hour after this hour giving a fuller presentation. And we have, we have photos, so you can see some pictures of everything a little bit um, in the next Hour. So, But as a church, over the last couple months, we have found some great encouragement from the Psalms. We feel David uh, is a great individual to be able to um, relate to, cries out to God in anguish a lot. <laughs> but by the end of the Psalm, he's reminded of truth. And that's where we, kind of, we, we cry out in anguish a lot. And the end of the, by the time we get to the end of our prayers, the end of our Psalms, we can be reminded of the truth that God actually is still on his throne and in control of it all. So I'd like to draw our attention this morning to Psalm 145. Psalm 145, if you do have your Bibles, I will read it quickly for us. Psalm 145. I don't know. Scripture says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare 
your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of your man, the children of your man, your mighty deeds and gl- the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful to his words and kind to all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and rising up, all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all the flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Trust the Lord will bless the reading of the scripture today. If you're familiar with the Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, now I know it's it's August, but I mean, sometimes people in August begin to think of Christmas. But if you can think of the Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, in the story, there's a line that Ebenezer Scrooge says to his nephew Fred. And it goes like this Fred greets Scrooge with a Merry Christmas, only to have Scrooge respond with, Merry Christmas? What reason have you to be merry? You're poor enough. To the which the the nephew responded with, well, what reason have you to be dismal? You're rich enough. that's That's what they think. Today, as we look to Psalm 145 together, we can come to this psalm and we read the first two verses. I will extol you, my God and King. I will bless your name. Every day I will bless you. And we hear those words and we can easily think, What reason have you to be merry? Haven't you seen our world? Haven't you seen what's going on around us? What gives you the reason to shout for praises to God? Haven't you looked at all the confusion? I mean, there's hunger in the world. There's pain. There's abuse, injustice, suffering that life brings to us. And we can begin to think, There is no reason to be glad. There is nothing worthy of our praise. Before we begin to look at this psalm, please just take a few moments and think to yourself. Maybe meditate just 30 seconds or so. On this thought, what reason do you have to be joyful or thankful? Or what reason do you have to worship today? Just take a few moments.
It wasn't until I moved to England when I first heard of a town crier. I don't know if you know what that is, but if you do a quick internet search, it can give you a job description of a town crier. It says the job of a town crier, or a bellman it can be used, is to inform the townspeople of the latest news, the proclamations, bylaws, and or any other important information. Our first encounter with one was in, when we first moved to England in Chesham. And there was a lady all dressed in her garb in a bright red outfit, a feathery hat, walking down the middle of the road, ringing a bell, proclaiming that the mayor and everything was coming behind her because there was a parade about to happen. And when I begin to read this psalm, I feel at the beginning of the psalm, it's something like a town crier reading out, I will exalt you, my God. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. See, when a town crier begins, they might ring a bell, bang on a drum, blow a whistle, and speak loudly to get everyone's attention. And once they get everyone's attention, they then proceed with the news or the information for the people there. When we approach the psalm, we see these first few verses are getting our attention to the subject at hand, the worth of our Lord. Looking at the first seven verses here, they're just gushing with praise. The psalmist is speaking out these praise-type words about the Lord. I will extol you. I will praise you. He's worthy of praise. Generations will tell of your great works. They speak. They tell. They celebrate. They joyfully sing. In verse 3, it says, His greatness no one can fathom. Or, His greatness is unsearchable. And the psalm is telling us straight away, everyone who hears of our Lord, the greatness of our Lord, he is so great, you can't understand everything about him. You can't just do a Google search. Google can't handle how great God is. He is incapable of being fully explored or understood. And if we take a moment and think about the greatness of God. There's no wonder the rest of the psalm gives the reasons why he's crying out in praises to the Lord. His greatness, the grandeur, the splendor, the incomprehensibleness. So if you've come today and you thought, I have no reason to worship. I don't have a reason to praise. I pray you'll find encouragement today from Psalm 145 because it gives us a few reasons to rejoice it gives us a reasons to give praise to our lord i think we see in verse 8 we have reasons to praise because the lord is gracious he's compassion he's compassionate he upholds all who falls in verse 13 and he's trustworthy in verse 17 because he is righteous in all his ways. Now, isn't that someone or somebody that we would like today? We long for someone like this, someone who's gracious and compassionate, someone who's kind, someone who says what or does what they say they're going to do. He's trustworthy. Someone who has integrity and does what's right. We long for someone like that in our life. And so when we look to the Psalms today, what gives us reason to worship and praise? I think the first thing we see here is that he is gracious 
and compassionate. So how is the Lord gracious and compassionate? Well, he is slow to anger. Now, I don't know about you, but at least in my household, after almost a year or more of quarantining, lockdowns, social distancing, closed stores, no social events, not being able to go out on vacation or anything, how many of you can say, I'm slow to anger? Now, I'm sure my family can attest, I fall short of that. I can raise my hand and say, I'm guilty. My lack of graciousness, my lack of compassion has been clearly seen at times. I mean, the litmus test here is when you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off. How slow to anger. Or, as it was, when the toilet paper roll is the last one on the shelf and the person just in front of you grabs it. How slow to anger are we in those situations? Or your child says something that you don't agree with. How slow to anger are you? The reason, one reason at least we can give praise today is because the Lord is in no way like we are. The Lord is good to all. He is compassionate on all. He is slow to anger. One author says this here in Psalm 145 is connected to the promises of the covenant, uh, of the covenant God he has made to his people. He's acting out this love on behalf of his people that's consistent with his character. Because his people, or we, fail regularly. But the Lord, in his love and compassion, is gracious. He does not treat us, as one psalm says, as our sins deserve. And we can say, thank you, that he doesn't. Psalm 103 says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. Same phrase. He's slow to anger. He abounds in love. He's not always accused, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Now, recently I watched the film Les Mis. And John Valjean, I don't know if you're familiar with this, his life was forever changed because someone acted out of compassion and graciousness towards him. And it changed his life forever. Acted in grace and compassionate towards him in a way that he did not deserve. And when we think of our life as people who have been impacted by the grace of God, his compassion, his kindness, his love towards us, even though we didn't deserve it, he loved us enough to pay our sin debt, a debt we could not pay. He loved us enough to make us his own in Christ Jesus. He loved us enough to open our eyes to the glorious goodness and the good news, the gospel that we get from Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. He loved us so much that when we were completely separated from him, he made himself known to us while we were still sinners. And he opened our eyes to the marvelous grace. And when we turn to him in faith and repentance, we have that wonderful, renewed relationship with the God of the universe a relationship that no one can separate. We've felt separation these last 18 months. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. He is a good God, and he is good to me. He has been, and I hope 
He has been good to you. The fact that the psalmist says he is compassion on all that he has made. Verse 10 tells us all the works praise you. Aren't we, are, aren't we meant to sing his praises? All of creation is glorifying the creator. The psalmist says faithful people exalt you and tell of your kingdom so that all who know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom, your everlasting kingdom. We long for that day when we can be with him forever and ever. I love the song we used to sing. Um, I, don't know if, I think we sang it here before. But could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe a trade to write this love of God above it drained the oceans. The scrolls couldn't contain them even if they're stretched across the sky. So today what reason do we have to worship and give praise? Because the Lord is gracious and compassionate to us. The next thing I think we can see, not only that, but in verse 13 and 14, we also see another reason, that he upholds all who fall. He's trustworthy. The idea here, faithful. Now, how many have ever used this phrase before? Now, I promise you, I promise you this. Or you might say, no, trust me on this one. And then you don't live up to your promise. Or your trust fails someone else. I mean, the words that you sent, that you said, were genuine. But then you fail. And they become meaningless. And we let someone down. We're unable to live up to our promise. Now, this is gut-wrenching to us when we fail someone. Not only for us who made the promise, but also for the people who we let down. They trusted us, and now they've been disappointed by our lack of ability to live up to our promise. Now, now we're, we're not trying to be intentional of letting someone down, but I'm sure some of you are here where you've let someone down before. You've said, oh, I'll be there at 3 o'clock, 4.30, 5 o'clock, you know, and you just completely forgot whether for unseen circumstances or just human forgetfulness, we let someone down. This is us. This is the world that we live in. This is our society. It's a constant disappointment. But our God is in no way like us. The struggles that we face, if we are in the habit of keeping our eyes only focused on the things of this world, we can find ourselves, as the psalmist says, bowed down. We can find ourselves perpetually discouraged, disappointed. We can, we can think to ourselves, we have no reason to be happy. We have no reason to give thanks, no reason to praise. There's nothing worthy because everything lets us down. Now, if you're feeling this way today, I pray 145 of Psalm 145 is an encouragement to you. Look what the psalmist says in verse 13. The Lord is trustworthy in all his promises. He's faithful in all he does. He upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. His faithfulness is not dependent upon ours. He is, um, his character is what his trustworthiness. If our eyes are focused on these things that are finite, 
on the immediate surroundings, maybe on our own failures, the failures of other people. The psalmist is telling us to look up to the Lord. Verse 15, he reminds us, the eyes of all who look to the Lord, look to you and give them their, uh, and the Lord, you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. You provide at the proper time and satisfy all of our desires. I was reminded recently of the story of of 2 Kings in chapter 6 of Elisha and his servant. When the servant, got, I always loved the story when I was a kid, I don't know if they, whatever, the Sunday school, but like the, the servant comes out and like, we're surrounded, we're surrounded, you know, we're going to die. And what's Elisha say? Do you mind opening up his eyes? And there's a host of the Lord's chariots surrounding the enemy. And it just gives Elisha and the servant confidence because there's something greater than our current situations that bow us low. And that can give us reasons today to praise. He loves us. He's gracious and compassionate. He upholds all who fall. He remains faithful even when we don't or when other people don't. And we can trust him to keep us, keep his promises. But finally, this, this morning... I knew we said afternoon. We have afternoon service, sorry. But the Lord is faithful to his people, but finally, he's righteous in all his ways. Verse 13, the Lord is righteous in all his ways. He's faithful and kind in all he does. So if you're feeling today discouraged or dissatisfied, remember from verse 18, discouragement. The Lord is near to all who call on him, who will call on him in truth. If you're feeling dissatisfied, look at verse 19. You don't need to run to fleshly desires for your satisfaction. I mean, the devil uses these times when we are most vulnerable to tempt us away from the relationship with him. So be encouraged today as we are reminded in verse 19, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears our cry. Psalm 145, it tells us the Lord watches over us, watches over all who love him. He will destroy the wicked. See, the Lord knows our hearts. He knows how we are feeling. He knows those who have done wrong. And he will judge rightly, accordingly to his righteousness. The wicked will be judged. The Lord is a righteous judge. So if you are feeling alone today, remember you're not alone. He watches over all, and he loves you. If you started today thinking, there's no point in going to worship today. There's no reason. There's nothing to give praise for. If you've been struggling with discouragement, loneliness, You've been overwhelmed by uh, not getting what we want, overwhelmed by personal sins, injustice, lack of positivity, pain, suffering. Psalm 145 reminds us that we don't worship because of our circumstances, but because of who God is. He's gracious and compassionate. 
to you. The Lord is trustworthy and holds you up. And we worship the Lord because he does what is right and takes care of you. He is righteous. So my friend today, I trust you find joy in this. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness, you won't be able to, you can't fathom it. It's unsearchable. It's beyond our understanding. That's who he is, and yet he loves you. He's faithful to you, and he does what is right and just. So look to him today. And when you, can, and when you do, you can say with the psalmist, my mouth will speak praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Amen. In just a second, we're going to have uh, some come and give their testimony to join the church. Um, before we do that, though, I just want to thank David for that very timely message from Scripture. We have a great God. He is, he is all these things Psalm 145 says. He's gracious, compassionate, merciful, kind, righteous, good. And he uplifts us in our difficulties and struggles. And he is near to us. And so I'd like to close this portion of our service by going to the Lord and thanking him for that, thanking him for this sermon and asking God for grace to live in light of the truths of Psalm 145 together. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, before we leave this moment of considering your word, I pray, Lord, that you would comfort our hearts. Perhaps it's been, uh, for many of us, a struggle this year. And we have not only felt disappointment all around us, perhaps even in us. So, Father, I pray that you would encourage my brothers and sisters today. I pray that you would help them uh, see once again what David has proclaimed to us from the psalmist, David, who said that you are compassionate, you are merciful, you are slow to anger, you are good, you are kind, you are righteous, you hear us in our cries. You, you provide for us by opening up your hands to us. Lord, thank you for these pictures of who you are. And I pray, Lord, that you would um, inscribe them on our minds today. I pray they would comfort our hearts and our souls to know that there is a reason to be here today. To worship you. Great is your name, and greatly to be praised. And ultimately, Lord, we are most thankful for the sacrifice of your only Son, Jesus, who came, lived a perfect life, 
who died in our place as our substitute, but then who was raised by the power of the Spirit so that sin, death, and hell would not have the final word for us. Thank you for those of us who believe in Jesus and who've repented of our sins, that we have deliverance from our sins. That when you look upon us, you do not see our mistakes and our sinful ways, but you see Jesus' blood and righteousness transferred to us. Thank you for this time together and for these reflections on this Lord's Day. I pray that you would have received all glory. In Jesus' name, amen.